right. Morning, LifePoint Church. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us and being with us here today. And those that are watching online, whatever you're watching, thank you for being here and hanging out with us. Man, today is the fourth and final week of our current message series called Friends. And, and today we got a lot to cover, so buckle up and we're just going to jump right into it. And, and today we're going to discuss a topic that, that honestly can get a little messy, right? It can get a little bit messy because we're going to find ourselves as Christ followers in somewhat of a, a tension spot, right? Where things might seem clear one way or clear another way, but really it's something, this tension that we have to wrestle with as Christ followers. And, and this tension point is critical when it comes to us living out the Great Commission. When it comes to us being the church, when it comes to us being on mission here at LifePoint Church. This is a tension spot that can't be avoided. Yet most of us love to avoid tension, right? Stress, uh, conflict, we want to avoid it, but, but this is one that we just cannot avoid. So let me start by asking you, how many of you um, are either on Facebook or have been on Facebook at some point in time. If you're watching online, you don't have to like put up an emoji because you're on Facebook. But how many of you are on Facebook, right? Okay. Um, how many of you are familiar with the unfriend button? Anybody? Oh, come on, people. For real? I know, y'all. Right. We, you got those, those friends uh, that are on there, not necessarily friends, just acquaintances, someone that sent you a friend request and you liked it or you accepted it or whatever, someone you knew from back in the day, but then they start posting like crazy stuff, right? They're always negative or they're always blasting some weird agenda that you're like, what is going on with this person? Or, you know, or they're just constantly trolling people for an argument. Like we all know those people, right? That is Honestly, the, the reason why I personally got off Facebook like six years ago and have never been back on because I could not keep my mouth shut when the trolls came out. I just, it just wasn't, I couldn't do it. So I had to completely jump off. But, but we all know that unfriend button, right? Now, growing up in the church, um, I, I grew up in a very conservative Baptist church and in just church services and youth group in the Christian school that I was in. Um, I heard tons and tons of messages. I had tons and tons of one-on-one -on -one counsel and, and group conversations about how we need to unfriend people from our lives so that we can truly do all that God wants us to do and we can be on mission. We've got to remove these certain people from our, our lives. How many of you all have heard a message like that at some point in time, right? A lot of us have. But today is not that message. <laughs> That's not the direction that I'm going to go with this because I don't believe this is what we see in Scripture. It sounds good. It seems to make sense. You can find some Scripture that you can throw out, take a little out of context, and state that, but that's not what we see, truly. When you look at Scripture and when you look like closely at the life of Jesus, you're going to find that, that maybe it's not that you need to unfriend people. Maybe it's more that you actually need to redefine that friendship. You just have to redefine it. It doesn't mean you cut them completely out 
you redefine. You see, as a Christ follower, there's going to be seasons in your life where, where you're going to need to do this, where you're going to have these deep conversations with the people in your life, and you're going to have to redefine what that friendship looks like in order for you to continue on the right path. But again, it, you don't have to remove them completely. Unfriend, you don't have to do that. But our friends, as we've talked about in this whole series, are important. They're critical. In fact, our, our key point for this entire series is that if you want to see your future, take a good look at your friends, right? Because the friends, the people, as we've defined friend as your inner circle, right? Your closest people, you're going to be moving in the same direction as their life. So if you want to know what your future is going to look like, just look at how they're journeying and how they're traveling and what, what's coming up from them. Solomon one of the wisest dudes ever said it like this in Proverbs 13, 20. Again, this is our key verse for this series. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. A companion of fools will suffer harm. Pretty straightforward. If you hang out with people that are wise, that are smart, that are encouraging, that are positive, you're going to be moving in that direction. But if you hang out with a bunch of jokers, you're going to be going their direction. And they're going to pull you down with them. You want to see your future, take a look at your friends, your inner circle. To bring this scripture a little more to life, right, to present day, I want you to think about, think about all those times over your life where maybe you did get into trouble. Because I'm looking out here and I'm seeing people, and I know some people that normally watch online, and I know y'all got in some trouble for real. Like, I know, I know you guys. But think about those times. Very rarely were you probably alone. There was probably always someone else with you. Now, they might, they might have been encouraging you to do those things. You might have been the one that was encouraging them to do those things. You could have been that friend, right? But regardless, is you're typically with somebody else. For me, I think about the times in my life, and there was a lot of opportunities that I had where I was running with some knuckleheads that it wasn't going to go good. And I know I've told this story before. I remember the first time I told it, I freaked my kids out, but I remember back in high school, I was going to a car show with some of my buddies. I think it was my senior year, and I was the one, you know, all the parents trusted me, so I was the one that could always, like, drive and go. So um, I go and pick up all my buddies, and come to find out, one of them had, like, a huge bag of weed that he brought with him and stuffed it under my front seat. I had no clue. But thankfully, we didn't get in a wreck. Thankfully, we didn't get pulled over, because if so... I would have been in trouble, like big time. I probably would still be grounded to this day, like for real. My parents would have still be like, you're 38 years old, you're still grounded, bro. So, but it would have been bad. That could have changed, honestly, the trajectory of my future. And it was because I was rolling with some dudes I shouldn't have been rolling with. Pun intended. I'll let you sit on that one for a minute. But... But we've got to understand that our friends matter, right? Your friends matter. If you want to see your future, take a look at your friends. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26, continues to confirm this, right? When Solomon once again said, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The righteous, right? The wise 
They choose their inner circle, their close friends, extremely carefully. They are wise with it because they know, they know that the way of the wicked will lead them astray. It doesn't say that they're wicked. It just says that that's going to lead them astray because they're connected with them. In the New Testament, Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. He says, don't be misled. Think about that. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. One bad apple spoils the bunch, right? That's why I always heard it. Bad company corrupts good character. And don't for a second think that that doesn't apply to you. That that truth is for everyone else but not you. You're strong enough. You're good enough. You're all these things. Because it says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So from, from these passages of scripture, I think it's pretty safe to say this. That you can't live the right life if you have the wrong friends. You can't live the life that God has called you to live. To be and do all that he created you to be and do if you don't have the right friends. If your inner circle, if you're a Christ follower, if your inner circle is not consistent or doesn't consist of people who are following Christ. Who want to push you to be more like him. To encourage you and you encourage them. Iron sharpening iron. That's what your inner circle needs to be like if you're going to be and do all that God created you to do. You can't live the right life without the right friends. So it seems pretty straightforward, right? I mean, the Bible says right here, bad company corrupts good character. The way of the wicked, right, leads to a corruption. It leads you astray. So it seems very simple that we just need to cut out the bad people in our life. We got to disassociate with the wicked people, with the sinners, right? I mean, that's the way it sounds, and this has been the, pretty much the concluding point of every message that I've heard on this topic. Seems so straightforward. But as I said earlier, man, that's not this message. That's not where we're going with this. Because again, there's a tension spot here. There's a tension spot. These passages have, have birthed message after message, counsel after counsel, telling us to avoid sinners. Yet when we read about the life of Jesus... We see something drastically different. Jesus, our, our Savior, God in the flesh, he was known as a friend of sinners. That's what he was known for. Jesus, he hung out with tax collectors, prostitutes, drunkards, so much so that he was actually accused of being some of those things, of being a drunkard, because he was a friend of sinners. So do we stay away from the bad company, the bad, you know, wicked people that corrupts good character? Or do we become friends of sinners, flawed people, people that, that maybe don't know Jesus? What, what are we to do here? See, there's, there's a tension spot here. Don't be unequally yoked, right, with nonbelievers. Seems pretty clear cut. But then later we're told to be the light of the world, to let your light shine in the darkness, in a dark world that so desperately needs it. Guess what? You can't shine in the darkness 
if you're not in the darkness, if you're not there, what's the point of having a flashlight if you're sitting outside right now? It's daylight. Look at my light. It's great. No one's going to see it. You're holding just a little stick. But let it be in a pitch black room and hit that. Boy, that light's going to shine. So what are we to do? Do we unfriend, disconnect, hang out with people that are all seeking after God just like us? Or do we hang out with sinners? The answer is yes. <laughs> Both. It's the tension spot. It's the messiness that comes along with being a follower of Jesus. I read a book once called Messy Spirituality, and it was amazing. And it wasn't necessarily on this point, but it was just everything. Like, faith in itself, being a true, genuine Christ follower here in 2021 is messy. If you do it right. There's a tension spot. Yes, there are these influences that can pull us away from God, and we need to be very aware of that. We need to pay attention to that. But at the same time, we have to consistently be on guard that we don't begin to huddle and isolate ourselves from the people that need us. From the reason that, that Jesus came, right? He came for the sick, not for the well. He came to bring life, hope, grace, forgiveness. And you can't receive all those things from Jesus if you yourself are not being that to others. And if you're not actually interacting with people and befriending people that are different than you, that think differently than you, that don't believe like you believe, that maybe are like some messed up people. Reality is, is we're all messed up. None of us are perfect. Those that have had an encounter with Jesus, man, we've just been set free. We've received grace and forgiveness. So we should then want to go and run and tell others about him, not isolate, not huddle. We don't need any more churches to just huddle, play it safe. No, we got to get messy. We got to think through this. The world desperately needs us to shine our light. If you're a follower of Jesus, I think one of the most important keys to your success in being on mission of reaching the world, reaching those that don't know Jesus, is to actually make sure you pay attention to your friends. Making sure that your inner circle consists of those that are Christ followers. I'm talking your core, your closest group of people. Because that's where you get strength. That's where you build your foundation. You build your foundation on God and on his people. That's why community is so important. Because it gives us the strength, the encouragement to go shine your light into the dark world. It's a spiritual foundation that we have to have. It keeps you rock solid. Because if you don't have that, Right? If your core, if your inner circle is not that, and they're not encouraging you, and they're not pushing you to be more like Jesus, and they're not encouraging you to be on mission, then your foundation is fragile. And you're going to say, okay, I'm going to go be the light of the world, and you're going to go out there, and the world is going to chew you up and spit you out, and the next thing you know, you're so far away from where you ever wanted to be, doing things you never wanted to do, rolling with people that you never wanted to roll with, you're going to be like, how did I get here? And that's not a shame and blame kind of thing, that's just reality. We have to have a strong foundation 
people to come back to, to encourage us, to lift us up. Because when you're out in the darkness, actually trying to be light, sometimes you've got to get your batteries recharged. And that's where we come back. We go to God, key, first and foremost, our true foundation, but we also have a foundation of our core. It keeps us strong. It's not that we don't need to associate with people that don't believe like us. Yes, bad company corrupts good character. Yes, it's true. It's a fact. We've seen it. I've experienced it in my life. But we have to let our light shine. So we've got to make sure that our foundation is strong. And I think Jesus, once again, always is the perfect example of this. Because if you pay attention to his life and you notice, man, Jesus loved everyone. He loved everyone equally. But he didn't necessarily treat their relationships equally. That's a big difference. You see, Jesus had 12 people in his inner circle, right? He had hundreds of disciples. He had hundreds of people that he loved. He loved everyone. But he had his inner circle, his 12. And even within his 12, when you study scripture, you're going to see that he had a core group within that inner circle of about three. He loved them all, but they, all equally, but they weren't equal in their relationship. And that's a big difference. We've got to pay attention to who we have in our core, who we allow to speak life to us, who we give permission to speak into our lives. I heard a podcast a couple weeks ago where a guy was saying that he only allows two or three people to have the opportunity to hurt him. Like he gives them authority and the ability to hurt him, and that's only three people. It was just really interesting. And the guy was like, well, do you give your kids permission? Are they? And he's like, nope. I don't, they don't have permission to hurt my feelings and to hurt me. My wife does, but my kids don't because they're my kids. They might say some things. As my daughter is right now is completely ignoring me. It's awesome. But you have the ability to control who speaks into your life, who you spend time with. You see, with Jesus, he had, he loved everyone. He was a friend of sinners, but his core, or his inner circle was 12, his core was three. He loved everyone equally, equally, but the relationships weren't equal. There was times that when people needed him, they needed a healing touch. They wanted to hear his teaching that he said, hold up, I got to step back. I need to go speak to my father. I got to get recharged. I need to spend time with him so that I can then go be a light into the world. And if Jesus needs to do that, why do we think we don't? Why do we think we don't need to pay attention to our core group of people? No, in order to go be a light in the world, you have to recharge the batteries. And you do that by connecting with God and with his people. Now, please hear me clearly. Some of you, I don't know everyone's situation, but some of you may have some people in your life that are 100% completely toxic, okay? I get that, see it all the time. And for you, maybe it is a situation where you need to say, okay, I gotta step back and actually unfriend, like legit, for real. I've got to disassociate because they're toxic for my life, they're toxic for my marriage, they're toxic for my family, they're toxic for my career, they're abusive, they're hurtful, whatever it might be, and you truly need to unfriend, disassociate. It doesn't mean that you no longer care about them or love them, but you need to disassociate and you need to begin to pray for them. But there are times, yes, 
that you need to truly unfriend. But the majority of the time that we see this, it's really just redefining that friendship. It's saying you have permission here, you don't have permission here. I love you both equally, but my relationship with you and you are not the same. They're not equal. I'm not allowing you to have that access to my life because it's not good. It's not good for me. It's not pushing me to Jesus. So to help us further navigate this tension spot, right, this, this struggle, this, this conflict as it seems, uh, I want to share with you two things that we should never let our friends do. And then I want to share with you one thing that we should never stop doing. So let's first start with the two things that we should never let our friends do. The first thing that we should never let friends do, regardless of whether they're just general friends in your inner circle or in your core, you should never allow your friends to distract me from God's plan. Never allow them to distract you, distract you from God's plan. How many of you have Drake's God's plan singing in your head right now? It's okay. I'll pray for you. Just kidding. But, but never let them distract you from God's plan. Again, a perfect example of this is Jesus' relationship with Peter. As crazy as it sounds, Peter at one point in time tried to distract Jesus from God's plan for Jesus' life. Peter didn't do it intentionally. It was completely unintentional. But you see, in Matthew 16, Jesus had just explained to them and was letting them know, like, hey, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to have to suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and eventually I'm going to be killed. And then on the third day, I'm going to raise to life. And Peter's like, he's basically like scolding Jesus. He's like, Jesus, no, we're not going to let that happen. That's not going to happen. You're not going. You're not doing this. We are not going to let this happen to you. You can't die. We need you. He was trying to distract Jesus from God's plan. Again, pure motives. It's because he loved Jesus. He wanted to support Jesus and have his back. But that wasn't God's plan for Jesus' life, what Peter was wanting. So check out what Jesus actually says to Peter. Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. It says, but he, being Jesus, turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Escalated real quickly, right? Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not seeing or setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. Peter was one of his core. Yet he was trying to distract him. So Jesus had to call him out on it. See, that's the beautiful thing about your core. Even when they unknowingly do something, you can't allow it. But you have the relationship equity to be able to say, get behind me, Satan. Now, I don't encourage you to say that to your spouse. Won't go well when you're like, hey, can you take out the trash? You're like, get behind me, Satan. Watching the game. Don't go well. That's not going to work. Don't be like, Andy said I could say that. No. But understand, we're not going to let anybody, not even our closest friends, distract us from God's plan for our life whether intentional or, or unintentional. we got to be on guard. The second thing that we see is that we're not going to let our friends consistently tempt me to sin. You cannot let your friends consistently tempt you to sin. We're all flawed. None of us are perfect. So there might be times that, that you're maybe living a way that maybe you're... you're 
heart has been, you know, is hardened and you don't realize that you're sinning. And maybe you're even tempting your friends and you don't get it yet. But that's where, again, you got that friendship. You can call each other out on it. But we are not going to let our friends consistently tempt us to sin. And again, scriptural example of this is Joseph in the Old Testament. To me, it's, it's a sketchy situation, but it's, it's hilarious every time I read this passage of Scripture because my mind, when I see this, visualize this account, I, I love it. But see, Joseph was betrayed by his brothers and, and sold into slavery. And when he gets, um, eventually gets to his master, Potiphar, he, he begins to work hard for him and he finds favor with Potiphar, right? So he's like elevated to like the highest in his household, like he's running the show. So he found favor with Potiphar. But he also found a different kind of favor with Potiphar's wife, right? She, she had been checking Joseph out, and she saw him, and she was, you know, she was thinking it was time to shoot her shot. So in Genesis chapter 39, verse 12, we see what happened. So it says in verse 12, it says, she, this is Potiphar's wife, caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. Pretty forward, right? Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand. And he ran out of the house. Like, it cracks me up, because I, I guess I think, like, cartoon, like, shooting out like this, but, like, coming out of his cloak, out of his shirt, ran out of his shirt. He's getting out of there. He wasn't going to let her tempt him to sin. He was gone. He didn't stick around and try to rationalize with her, like, hey, we can't do this. This isn't going to be good. The outcome will be bad. It's wrong. Let me, here, hold my hand, let's pray. You know, no, he ditched out of there. He was gone. He's like, I got to get out of this situation. I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to let her tempt me to sin. I'm out. That's what we have to do sometimes. Doesn't mean you don't love them. Doesn't mean they're no longer your friend. Doesn't mean you unfriend. But you know what? There's going to be some times where you're just not going to let them do that. If you have a group of friends that all they ever want to do is gossip and talk trash about other people. At some point in time, you're going to be like, you know what? I'm out of here. Like, if that's all y'all are going to do, I don't want to be about it. I'm out. And you got to get away. Maybe you got a group of friends that, that y'all like to go and, and hang out, but it's escalating this thing. All they ever want to do is go and get trashed, like all the time. You go to, to you know, somewhere, eat some wings and hang out, and all they're doing is like feeding you shots. and like, hey, let's, get, let's go. You might need to be like, I'm out. I'm going to go watch the game somewhere else. Not a slam on drinking or whatever, but like if all you're ever doing is getting trash, you got, you got a problem. You shouldn't let your friends do that. You got to put up a guard. You need a foundation. You can go be a light in the world, but what's your core? Are they building you up? Are they encouraging you? Are they strengthening your foundation for mission, for purpose? Or are you just out there getting it at this point? We're not going to let our friends tempt us to sin. So we are not going to let anyone distract us from God's plan. God created you for a purpose, a masterpiece, right? And you are to fulfill that purpose. Don't let anyone step in the way of that, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Don't do it. Don't let them continuously tempt you to sin. And there's going to be a possibility that you've got some of that going on in your friendships, maybe even in your inner circle. Don't unfriend them. Have a conversation with them, like Jesus did with Peter. Have a conversation with them. Redefine that friendship in that season. Revisit it later, but it needs to be redefined. 
But there's also one thing that we should never stop doing. Those are the two things we're not going to let our friends do, but there's some things that you're responsible for. There's one thing that you're, you should never stop doing. There's one thing that I will never stop doing as your pastor. Never. And it's this. Loving people like Jesus. If I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the side of love. Because I see Jesus loving everyone equally with an unconditional love, whether they deserved it or not, whether they agreed with him or not. Again, from the cross, it blows my mind. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is unconditional crazy love. And that's how you're to love everyone, all people. That's how I'm called to love all people. So I will never stop doing that. And if for some reason your takeaway from this message today is that you're better than or that you're holier than, especially those sinners that don't go to church and they don't do these things, and so you need to remove you know, so-and-so out of your life because they're sinners, then I have failed. <laughs> because that's not what this is about. This is about modeling our life after how Jesus lived, redefining friendships as needed, and loving all people. Jesus was a friend of sinners. It blows my mind, like growing up in the church, how many church people, I don't even say Christ followers, just church people, want to say things like, don't hang out with them. Stay away from them. Don't go to this location. Don't go to this bar. You know, there's a concert you want to see your favorite band. Well, it's in a bar. You can't go there. Don't do this. Don't do that. When in reality, there's a lost and dying world that desperately needs Jesus. And we are called to be the light in the darkness, right? That's what we're called to do. Yet somehow along the way, we started holding people that don't believe in Jesus to a biblical standard. We started saying, hey, I'm going to judge you for not following scripture when they don't even believe scripture. How are we going to get them to point A to point B if we're beating them over the head with something they don't even believe? How we do that is love. How we do that is living and loving like Jesus. How we do that is making sure that our light shines, being responsible for the things that we can control. Making sure that we have a strong foundation, a core that is all following Jesus so that we can build each other up and encourage each other and we can rally and then we can go out to the world and love like Jesus. All people, all situations, everywhere. That's what we are called to do. And you have to have a strong foundation. It's time for the church to stop judging people for not acting like Christians that aren't Christians. It's time for the church to actually start acting like Christ followers. But see, the problem is a lot of times we get lost because we're not either walking in stride with Jesus, and so we focus on religion, or we don't have the right people speaking into our lives. Your friends matter. I'm going to leave you with this. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Passage of scripture we've talked about already in this series, but I want to leave you and conclude the series with this. Jesus taught this. He said, a new command I give you. 
love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How you treat people matter. You're to love everyone equally like Jesus did. They don't get equal access to you. Your relationships aren't necessarily always equal. You don't have to bring them into your inner circle, but you love everyone equally. Your friendships matter. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciple by how you love one another. That was specifically speaking of how we love each other as a a family of Christ, people within the body of Christ. We do a, a, a pretty poor job of that as well, to be honest. As a collective church, I'm not saying specifically LifePoint. Don't get your feelings hurt. If you get your feelings hurt, maybe I'm talking to you. But, but we do a poor job of loving each other sometimes. But the reality of the situation is, Jesus said, this is how they will know you're my disciples, by how you love. Right? Not by how many times you go to church. Not by how much scripture you can quote off the top of your head. Not by not saying the F-bomb. Right? It's not how they're going to tell that you're my disciples. Not by perfect theology and doctrine. Not saying those aren't important. But that's not what's going to identify you as a follower of Jesus. It's about how you love one another. It's living like Jesus. And in order for you to do that in the world today, you've got to wrestle with the tension spot when it comes to your friends. You've got to be willing to go through it. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Companion of fools will suffer harm. The reality is is that you can't live the right life, the life that Jesus called you to, without the right friends because they're your foundation. Jesus, God is our rock, but he uses his people to speak to us, to encourage us, to lift us up. Iron sharpening iron. That's why the church exists. So pay attention to your core. Don't focus on unfriending. Maybe look at redefining so that you have the right people in place. Your friends matter. Let's pray. Jesus, we we come to you this morning. We're just so thankful. Again, I I say this so often, but we're so thankful for the example that we have of how to live our lives. The example that you left us through your word, through your life. The example of how we can truly love people, people that are different than us, that believe differently. Jesus, the the people that may even hurt us, that when we tap into your strength, your Holy Spirit living in and through us, that we can actually love like you love. That's the only way we can even come close to loving the way you loved, was through you living in and through us. So Father, may we truly embrace this in our lives. May we make sure that our friendship core is solid. Redefine the friendships that we need to. Understanding that we could be one friend away from our life going to the next level. One community away from our life moving to the next level. Shifting and redefining things so that we can be built up and strengthened and encouraged and ready to go shine our light into the world. The world that needs you. 
Jesus, give us the strength. Give us the direction. Give us the, the courage to make those decisions and do the things that you lead us to do. As we continue in a spirit of prayer this morning, maybe you're here, you're watching online, and I mean, you've never stepped over that line of faith, receiving Jesus into your life through confessing and believing. It's about, it's about him. You see, God loved you so much that even though you are a sinner, that you are flawed, that you're not perfect, he loved you so much that he made a way. He sent his son to die. That was his purpose. Peter didn't want it to happen, but that was his purpose, to die taking on your sin, your shame, your guilt. He took it upon himself so that you could be forgiven, made whole again, to be made right before God. And if you believe that, you understand that truth and believe it. You call on his name and begin to follow him, giving him your life. Scripture says that you'll be saved. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose him from the grave, that you'll be saved. Acknowledging that you're flawed, that you need him. So if you're ready to step over that line of faith and you can call out to him however he leads, wherever you're at, and you can begin to serve him and walk with him. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to clean your life up first. He's going to take care of that. He's going to reveal the areas that you need to improve on. He's going to show you the friends that you need to bring into your core, the other friendships that you need to redefine to help you to continue to journey with him, to be on mission. So you just call on him. If you have questions about that, maybe you're not ready to do that, reach out to me. If you're here, I'd love to talk to you after the service, or if you're online, send us a direct message or drop a comment, someone will get in touch with you. Maybe you're here and you are a Christ follower, but you understand that you have some friendships that need to be redefined. Maybe you're allowing friends to, to push you away, pull you away from God's plan for your life, to distract you. They're not on the same journey that you're on. It's created friction. Or maybe they're constantly tempting you to sin or whatever it might be. Maybe you need to redefine those friendships. I pray that God would give you the strength to do that in a healthy, productive way, that you can continue to love those people. And if you have toxic friendships, we would love to walk with you through that to help you to remove those people from your life in a healthy way and then to begin to pray for them, pray for their healing. Maybe your friendship core is pretty strong, but man, you're not loving like Jesus. Maybe your friendship core has begun to huddle. Start to think of yourself as better than. You're not loving everyone. Maybe you love those people that's easy to love, but you're not loving the people that are difficult to love, the ones that disagree with you, right? The ones that want to troll you on Facebook or whatever it might be. Man, we got to love all people, and it's not easy. To love like Jesus is impossible in our human flesh. We can't do it. That's why we need Jesus. So tap into his power, his Holy Spirit. Let him work through you to begin to love people more and more. Jesus, again, we love you. I pray that you would be with each person that's here, each person that's watching online, Lord, that you would bless their lives, that you would encourage them, that you would speak truth over them, exactly what it is that they need to hear from you in this moment. 
throughout the day, throughout the weeks, months, and years to come. May we be sensitive to your leading and follow you everywhere that you want us to go and do everything that you created us to do. Jesus, may we love like you love. May our light shine in this world as you intended to draw people to you, to serve people, to love the sick, bring them to health. Jesus, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. continue on with our worship through our tithes and our offerings here at LifePoint Church there's a few different ways that you can give um, if you're here in person you can give in person on your way out the door is a, a little table right there in the middle there's a basket with some envelopes you can give um, that way here in person you can fill out the envelope if you do use a pen drop it in the, the basket with the envelope so that it's a single use situation right now um, so they can be cleaned again um, or you can use our text to giving by uh, texting the number eight or the amount to the number eight four three two one or you can go to our website uh, top right hand corner is an online giving button you click it, it takes you to a safe and secure place where you can give um, and um, however you choose to give we're just thankful um, and honored that you are on mission giving back just a portion of what it is that god has given you and um, choosing life point to be your place to do that so that we can go and reach as many people with the good news about Jesus and love them, serve them, and help them. Um, that's, that's what we're about, and we want to continue to do more and more of that. So we appreciate you being on board and on mission. Um, with that said, there's also another way that you can give. So if you've given online, um, and you've probably, if you've done that, you've probably filled out, um, uh, set up the, the giving process through Planning Center, which is our giving center. And so there is the app that I talked about last week, and it's ready. So, but I don't have a slide because I didn't give it to these guys. So I partially got there, but you know, we're almost there. So, but if you have a smartphone, Android or um, Apple, if you're blessed and you have Apple and you, you're closer to God, um, <laughs> then either way though, you can um, 
go to your app store and you can go to church center app once you get to there you put in your location you can type in life point church it'll set you up with that you can download it from there you get signed in and you can give from that um, there's a prayer request place it'll take you to our um, youtube page if you want that um, sign up for groups um, and we're adding more and more groups so it's just a, it's just a great place it's a one-stop shop for those of you that are connected to LifePoint Church, same thing if you're online. Um, it's pretty slick. Um, we're going to continue to improve that. If you don't have access to the church center, you can't figure it out, let me know and I'll get you signed up um, and help you with that. So, or let Jen know what she said. She's like, she's better at that. So, uh, so Jen and I will be leading that. It'll be a great time. Or if you've just been coming to LifePoint for a while and you never really kind of connected that way, um, feel free to join us. It's going to be a one-time uh, thing, but then there's going to be an option to continue for another three weeks where we kind of do a small group together where you can dig a little deeper into LifePoint, what we're about, and how you can begin to serve and connect. So I encourage you to do that. Um, I have talked way too much today. Um, I love you guys. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for being a part of LifePoint Church, and um, we'll see you online throughout the week, and um, we'll see you next Sunday. Love you guys. All right, thank you all so much for being here with us once again for LifePoint Online. If this is your first time here with us, thank you all so much for being here and hanging out with us and checking out LifePoint Church. If you'd like more information or if you have any questions, you can either drop a comment below or you can visit us on our website or any of our social media platforms. And if you have questions, just go ahead and ask and someone from our team will get back with you as soon as we possibly can. Also, if you want to continue to worship um, with your tithes and your offerings, or if you just simply want to give to LifePoint Church, you can head over to our website. It's lpc502.com. In the top right-hand corner is an online giving button. If you click it, it takes you to a safe and secure place where you can give. You can also begin to text to give by texting the amount that you want to give to the number 84321. But however you choose to give, we're just so thankful and humbled by the fact that you're on mission and that you're giving back just a portion of what it is that God has blessed you with. Again, thank you all so much for being here with us today. We hope that you'll join us in connecting and doing life online throughout the week. And until next Sunday, we'll see you later. Have a great one.